You're listening to the Oh Come On Sports Podcast with me, Natasha Sanishevsky. Come on in! Hello, everybody. Come on in. Welcome to another episode of the Oh Come On Sports Podcast. Thank you for being here. Thanks for your time. It is a great week if you are a sports fan. It is one of my favorite weeks of the year, probably. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's the Masters. It, which to me is sort of the unofficial start of spring. Uh, the weather's been getting warmer, at least out here in Calgary. I know driving ranges are open. I haven't been out yet, but every time the Masters rolls around, it really, really gets me going when it comes to golf. So I will probably dust off the old clubs after this weekend and head out and start practicing up for the new season ahead. Um And yes, the Masters, I mean, there's always buzz about it. But of course, Tiger uh, is making things even crazier than usual, which is awesome. He he says it's a game time decision. For sure, he's playing. There's no doubt about it. So that's going to be awesome. So to to coincide with the Masters, I managed to wrangle in Graham Dillette to be on the podcast. I'm sure you know that name very well. He, of course, plays on the PGA Tour. Canadian, he has had a fair amount of success on the tour. He played in the Masters in 2014, and we spoke about that a little bit. Uh, But, of course, he's run into some injury problems. He's had some back issues for the last few years, which has really been uh, hampering his efforts, which is too bad. But he's still fighting to get through it. Uh, So we chatted about that a little bit. We chatted about his life off the golf course. He's a bit of a chef. He's into beer and he's a huge Flames fan, which I loved. We actually talk a fair bit bit about hockey because he's super passionate about that. So uh, I hope you enjoy our conversation. He, I had never met him before this podcast. This was our first time chatting and I, I had only heard good things about him and he's an awesome guy, super down to earth. Uh, and of course, uh, we talk a little bit, he gives us his master's, uh, takes and predictions as well. So we get into a bunch of stuff, had a great conversation with him. I hope you enjoy it, uh, as much as I did. Here he is, Graham Dillette. How's it going? What's going on? Nothing. Yeah. Just in Augusta, we got a big old rental house. The whole, there's nine, nine guys from TSN all staying here this week. So, uh, having some beers, we just ordered some pizza and yeah, just hanging out. Spent all day out at the golf course today. So on Monday, it was awesome. Nice. What is, I feel like you've done this for a few years now. What's it like for you being on the other side of the mic? Have you enjoyed the broadcasting bit? Yeah, this is my third time now. They had that weird Masters. It was in November and then last April was cool. And then, uh, you know, this is my third one now. And initially it was pretty weird and kind of uncomfortable for me like seeing players and like walking outside the ropes and guys like what are you doing here I'm like oh I'm working actually for TSN but um yeah it's been it's been good now I'm kind of a little bit more comfortable with it I think I still have some learning to do from like an actual like you know my uh you know how I'm performing or whatever I guess on TV but you, you as you know like it gets easier I think the more that you do it and uh yeah I don't know if I'm if, if it's something I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life or anything like that, but it's, it's fun a few times a year with those guys. What's been the hardest part for you or what did you find surprising about it? The long, how long the days are unreal. Like out here, like it's like you sit there all day and then it's like, you're on for like five minutes and you sit there for like an hour and you're on for five minutes. And 
it's been uh that that was an eye opener for sure like how long of a days that they put in and how little actually gets i wouldn't say how little gets done but you know like the small amount of time that you're actually recording right and the masters i mean it's such a spectacle now right like you i think you flew in yesterday and like every day you're doing something and now with tiger there like it's just it's a whole other event compared to any other sporting thing that goes on obviously yeah, it's an amazing week. I mean, for anyone who hasn't been, it's like a whether you're a golf fan or not, if you're even if you're just a sports fan, I think it's one of the best sporting events, like you know, like Super Bowl, Masters, and, and NHL playoffs, like whatever. Like, I think that the Masters takes them all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, from a golf standpoint, it's unbelievable. But, you know, just in general, like the amount of houses that it reaches around the world, and it's uh, it's one of those things that as a kid, you dream about playing as a pro, you aspire to get there. And, uh, it's a tough tournament to get into, but it's, it is the upper echelon for sure. Okay. So you gave me the perfect segue there because I want to know what, uh, take me back to when you were a kid growing up in Weyburn, Saskatchewan, how did you become a pro golfer? Well, I don't really know exactly. I mean, like both my parents played golf, so I loved it. And I played pretty much every single day in the summer. I was that kid that got dropped off, you know, at 13 years old, you know, at eight in the morning before work. And then picked up after my parents got off work or maybe played another nine holes with them. So I was just out there all day long, every day, uh, you know, for like basically six straight years. And, you know, I got to be decent at the game of golf, but it wasn't really until I went to college that I thought that it was something that I was going to maybe do for a living. Uh, you know, at that time it was, it was cool to get a scholarship and, you know, play golf in college, but I didn't really know that it would take me to where I am now, but obviously happy that did. I always wanted to be a hockey player. I just wasn't good enough, unfortunately, but uh, just like any Canadian kid, I guess. I was going to ask you that too, actually. Did you also play hockey? Because I hear you're a pretty big Flames fan. Flames fan. Uh, I am, yeah. So the Flames thing goes back. I lived in Moose Jaw for like five years when Theo was playing there for the Warriors in the WHL. And then, so he, you know, got drafted and his rookie year in 89 is when they won the cup. So, and I was seven at that time, I was born in 82. So that was like, you know, I would watch hockey with my dad. I didn't really have a team. He was a Leafs fan. So I kind of just, you know, we'd watch hockey night in Canada. And then that was when I became a Flames fan. You know, it's obviously when you're seven years old and your team and your favorite player wins the Stanley Cup, you're just kind of, you're hooked. And it's been a long 30 years since then, but. They, they got a great team here this year with some good depth and some high-end talent, great goaltending. So hopefully this is a year. I mean, uh, it's it's as good of a chance as we've had in a long time. Okay, so I'm in Oilers. I mean, I'm from Edmonton. I'm an Oilers fan. I'm working for the Flames now, so it's super weird for me to say that. But I have had my share of terrible years as well being an Oilers fan. But like you said, the Flames are in a good spot this year. So like, what is your level of fandom? Like, if they make it to the Stanley Cup final, would you come for games and watch? <laughs> Yeah. 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 Oh, even like, uh, well, they missed the playoffs last year, the year before when they were the one seed and they played Colorado. Is that, I don't know. I get so confused now with COVID how long ago that was. But, I know. Uh, I know. I went to, I went to both games in Denver cause I got buddies there and it's a short flight. I live in Boise, Idaho now. So it was a short flight and, uh, we got ran out of the building both times. So, I mean, I will travel. There's no question. So if there's some games, even if, whether it be like Vegas or Denver, uh, you know, it'd be fun to get to a game or two in Calgary. It's kind of a pain in the butt crossing the border right now, in all honesty. But um, I mean, Stanley Cup playoffs, finals, 100%. Right. So were you heartbroken in, what was it, 2004 when they lost? 
Yeah, I still think that was BS. So that, <laughs> you can go back to that. Like that was a goal. So, but uh, that's beside the point. Yeah, that was that was uh, that was a tough one. That was a that was our last like legit chance. And uh, you know, there uh, there there's a lot that has still has to happen. Obviously, between now and June to win the Stanley Cup, but uh, it's the best that they've looked in a long time. Okay, so. Fun. I love this hockey talk almost as much as the golf talk. So do you think they can actually beat? do you think they can beat Colorado? That's going to be the toughest one. Obviously right? I know the Cadre's out. I don't know when he's supposed to be back, but he's obviously a big piece of that team. You know, it's, you ride a hot goalie. I think we do have the better goaltender of the two and that's a big, I mean, they got some, some pretty elite high end talent, but uh, I think the depth could hopefully you know, our the flames depth can maybe maybe kind of wear them out a little bit and you get some good goaltending from Markstrom and you just never know. So I'm going to say, yes, they can beat them. I feel like those were all very good reasons. I agree with you. I think they can make it deep too. Um, I wanted to ask you about Twitter because that's how I I was trying to get a hold of you initially. And I didn't realize you were taking a bit of a break from Twitter. And I'm just curious about that. Was that like a mental health thing? Is Twitter social media in general can be such a crappy place to be. What was that? All of it. Yeah, honestly, I like I felt like I was just with all the political talk that was going on for the most part, like, you know, and like I follow people who are on both sides of the spectrum. And there was just like, I wouldn't say hatred, but it's like everyone was just constantly fighting and battling each other. And uh, I found myself like getting angry for no reason. And my wife was just like, maybe you need a break from Twitter. And I was like, that is exactly what I, and it was like, literally like, boom, deleted Twitter off my phone. And uh, it was nice. But I did actually. So I've been on it like again, like the last week or so. And I've muted the people that I uh, didn't really like hearing from, which is a nice like thing to do. And because there's a lot of great stuff on there. And like I get a lot of like my news and information on there, too. So it's good to kind of be back in in that. But uh, yeah, I just I just needed a little break because I just there's just not enough love going on and <laughs> too much hate. <laughs> Yeah, it's totally true. And it's easy to get caught up in it. And it's easy to get obsessed with it. Yeah. But do you, I mean, I mean, muting people is the way to go. Do you get a lot of hate from people on Twitter and do you engage with them or are you able to just like shut them down? I mean, I, it's more, I mean, yeah, I have over the years, like people kind of giving me for whatever this and that. Right whether it's bad putting or whatever, but I mean, I think that kind of just like comes with it. You just let it roll off your shoulder. You can block them. And, uh, but I, this, this last one, it wasn't, you know, wasn't any kind of personal beef going back and forth with anyone. I just needed to just kind of quiet the noise for a little while and just yeah. kind of step back and realize that family is way more important than sit on your phone and complaining about what people are saying on Twitter. So yeah. especially <laughs> way the, with the world right now, it just feels like there's always something going on right now. I, can I, we talk? Was it always like this? I don't remember the world being I, crazy. I know. I don't know why I didn't want to be a politician right now, but yeah. uh, can we talk about how I told you that I don't have email and you believed me? <laughs> well, that's exactly why I believed you because I like I have two email addresses now. I have texting and I have all the social media. And the last few months, I just feel like my head is going to explode trying to keep up with everything. And part of me, like I wanted to go on a texting break I wanted to tell people, don't text me, just like phone me because I can't handle like responding. So when you said you didn't have email, I believed you. Yes. And I was actually proud (laughs) of you, but I was also like, oh my God, the guys at TSN, how do they deal with him if he doesn't have email? So yeah, Yeah, but 
I didn't let that joke go on very long. I'm like, oh, I, get, I, I don't want her to think that I'm being mean to her. So. <laughs> no, that was funny. You were kind of almost my hero in that moment to think that you would have no email. Well, then I let you down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so on the same vein of Twitter, though, I kind of was looking at your tweets from a while ago just to see kind of what you say on there. And you were tweeting about, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Is it Jim Canoose? You know, this golfer? Do you remember this in October? Yeah. Oh, I'll, re- I'll remind you. So, and for people listening, so he was playing, um, trying to get his conditional tour status and his corn fairy status. And he was, you know, he needed to make the cut in Bermuda and finish 67th or something like that. And he was really emotional talking about, um, just what it's like trying to make it essentially. And the pressure you feel from your family and that kind of stuff. And it obviously resonated with you because you tweeted it. And I just wonder like, what was that like for you, you know, trying to make it and, and what are the pressures like playing on tour? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, like in all honesty, like, I mean, people who watch golf on TV, they think it's all guys playing for $12 million purses every single week and making all this money and flying around in private jets, but that's not really the reality it is for, you know, the top 20 players in the world, but uh, you know, life on tour obviously is pretty good. As long as you are keeping your job, no one out there is complaining, but uh, when you're bouncing back and forth between you know, Corn Ferry and the PGA Tour, it's tough. And then it's a lot tougher if you're bouncing back and forth between PGA Tour Canada and the Corn Ferry Tour. And you're, you know, you basically have no money. Like you're completely, uh, like completely. And you're traveling with two or three guys and rent in a rental car and staying three guys in a room and the high guy sleeps on the floor. And, but that being said, those days were some of the, my fondest memories. In all honesty, playing Canadian Tour for three years, traveled around the world playing mini tours and stuff like that. And it was great, but it's definitely not all the roses that everyone sees. Uh, You know, it's no different than guys who are trying to make it in hockey or baseball or whatever. It's great when you're in the NHL, but when you're struggling, you're bouncing back and forth and, you know, you're away from your family all the time and you're staying in hotels and eating in restaurants all the time. I'm not looking for anyone to feel bad for me, but it's not a glamorous, as glamorous a life as, uh, as, and that's what makes it making the PGA tour that, much more special because you realize all the work that you put in, uh, you know, it paid off. Was there a moment where you were just like this? I hate this. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm never going to make it. Did you ever have that moment where you thought you were? Gonna yeah. I almost quit in 2008 was my, uh, I guess second year on PJ tour Canada. I was out of money and I, you know, email or called my sponsor and I was like, Hey, you know, I'm like, we have three events left in the year. I need more money or else I can't play basically. And uh, he's like, well, I can give you an extra 5k. That's about all I can do for you. I was like, well, okay, I got to make that work, but that wouldn't have been enough for three tournaments. So it kind of like put me, you know, back against the wall. It's like, you got to make some money or else you're not even going to play the next two events or whatever on. And so we had a big break in the schedule at that time. And I was home in Boise and practicing. And I was like, this is it. Like, this is my last round. It's either going to happen or it's not. And I was like, okay with it. But, um, and then it just happened. I don't know if it was fate or whatever, but I won in Montreal that uh, next week. And then I finished like second in two of the next three events or whatever. And then I was kind of, you know, had confidence and had a little bit of a, you know, uh, cushion in my bank account. And I was just kind of off and rolling again. So it's, it's a, it's a game. And you hear it from a lot of guys that, you know, they're on the PJ tour. They're like, Oh yeah, I almost quit in whatever year. And I was this close to quitting. I got a job as a, whatever selling cars and whatever and then you're like well i had to go back to q school give it one last try and then all of a sudden they make the pga tour so it's uh there's a lot of good talent out there and there's you just never know when 
you know, it's your turn or whatever it may be. But, uh, but like I said, that grind is what makes it, it that much more special when you get your card. Right. So it, it doesn't sound like it's, you know, one aspect of your game that you suddenly improve on that takes you over the hump. Like for a lot of guys, it just sounds like you said, like timing or luck or just a bit of swagger in your game. Yeah, and confidence. Yeah. Confidence right. for sure. That's yeah. It was no different of, as a, of a player when I won or when I was missing cuts, I was the same player. Maybe I was playing a little bit better at the time, but I was still the same guy, but it's like, if you start believing in it or it's like, Hey, like, this is it. Are we going to do this? Or are we going to not? And um, so I don't know what the reason that it all happened that week for me or whatever, but it finally did. And then I was just kind of off and running. I ended up still playing another year on, on the Canadian tour at the time. I didn't get through Q school that year, but um, all the years that I played out there, I think if I would have gotten my card right out of college, like a lot of guys do or whatever, I don't think I would have been ready and I probably would have lost it. And, uh, you know, once I did finally get out there, I never did lose my card. I was out there all the time and kept my job every year. And it's, uh, that's harder to do now than it was in 2013 or 14, 15 or whatever, when I was doing it, but it's still, uh, something that I'm proud of. Mm -hmm. I can relate to that because I didn't get into broadcasting until I was actually 26 too. I went back to school and I did the whole grind. I was in Saskatchewan bouncing around you're where you're from, from town to town to town for years. And it was a grind, but I loved it. And I think because I was older and I had more experience kind of news directors hired me because of that. I think like it helped me and I just appreciated it so more, so, so much more. So there's something to be said, I think for that grind and there's nothing wrong with like doing it later in life. I, I, I wouldn't say I feel bad for the kids who get their cards right out of college or whatever, but I'm like, man, you miss like, all the fun stuff the totally. being broke. Like you know what it's like to be a, a pro golfer. You only know what it's like to be a tour player. Then they're, they're like different things kind of, you know? Yep. But I totally get that. So you obviously you're into other things than just golf. I was looking at your website and I didn't realize you're a bit of a foodie. Like you're, you're a bit of a chef. You're into barbecue. I, li I like to barbecue. Yeah. That's kind of like my, my, I was like my COVID and slash injury passion or whatever that I really got into is smoking food, smoking meats. My wife's a great cook. So she does most of the indoor cooking. I do most of the meats outside. We need, I follow you. We need to get you to do our desserts and we could put on quite the show, I guess. <laughs> I was going to say that along with Roger Sloan, he could bring in some wine, uh, we could like make a really good meal. I was thinking that too. Do you have a signature dish that you make? Like a, something um, there's, I, if I was like going to try to make a nice meal for like a bunch of people i would probably either do ribs or like a brisket those would be my kind of two if it's just like a four or five people my favorite thing to make and it's like absolutely amazing is like a braised octus smoked braised ox tail oh my god potato <laughs> rice on it but those uh those would be like my three like go-tos that i like always feel confident about Right. See, and I, like, like you said, I love baking. I'm a, not a very good cook. And during COVID, I was like, okay, now's the time I'm going to become a cook. I'm going to come up with some recipes. And I totally failed. I never did that. So I should get a recipe from you, like a go-to thing that I can practice. Yeah. Or my wife's like really good in like the indoor, like she makes like homemade gnocchi and homemade like pastas mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff, which is like amazing. So we kind of usually she'll do something like that and we'll pair it with like a meat and I'll do it outside and put a game on or whatever and have a beer. Kids are in the pool and it's uh that's how I like to spend my weekends now. That, 
That sounds like a pretty good life. That doesn't sound too bad at all. Uh, the other thing I saw on your website, I also didn't know, was you have a beer that you manufacture, Prairie Bart. Is that how you yeah. pronounce it? Yeah. So uh, I started that. I don't even know what year that would have been. 2015, I think, uh, maybe 14. But uh, I initially wanted to pair with or like, uh, you know, team up with someone in Saskatchewan. And at that time, there wasn't a whole lot of craft brewing going on in Saskatchewan. They, they've caught up now and it's uh, they have like there's a lot of really good uh, craft breweries across the province. But so I ended up uh, partnering with a, um, an outfit out of uh, West Vancouver called Bomber Brewing. And so we've been brewing it there for, I guess, six or seven years or whatever. And so you can get it anywhere in Alberta, Saskatchewan, or BC. If they don't have it in the liquor store, you can just ask them to order. And they, there's a skew in all those uh, provinces. But it's hard up there be, in Canada, I say up there, because uh, I don't really have any boots on the ground. Like it's doing a lot better in Boise area in Idaho because I'll go and do like men's nights and like tastings and we'll have like comp contests and stuff like that. And I'll uh, so like I can kind of like be there for it a little bit more so right. uh, but it's been fun it's cool like at my at my home course that's our best account that we have and uh everyone you come in and everyone's drinking bard inside the clubhouse after a round of golf and stuff so it's pretty cool to finish around a golf and come in and have a have a beer of your own but uh i'd still like to kind of get it going it's just it's like and then with the covid like the last oh my god i said the covid i always make fun of my parents for saying that <laughs> with covid like the last two years Obviously, not even being able to like go up to Canada or anything, it was it right. made it even difficult. So we got to kind of get a new like spring kind of push going uh, at the golf courses and stuff up, up there. Yeah. Did you have a say or any sort of ideas or input into um, like the branding, like because it's like a little beard on the can? Yeah. It? So that's obviously so Bard is beard and yeah. uh, and that's kind of like my uh, you know from Belgian, my family or whatever, my grandparents from Belgian. Oh. So that's kind of about, but it's like, at that time it was like, everyone was all the like professional golfers from doing wine. And I'm like, I'm from Wayburn, Saskatchewan. We like, <laughs> no, you would buy wine from someone from Wayburn, Saskatchewan, but everyone there drinks right. beer. So oh, I'm going to stick to that. But yeah, so we did oh, someone's birthday is getting sung out there. Can you hear that? Uh, a little bit. It's okay, not, bad. Sorry. not bad. No, it's all good. Uh, but, uh, sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought. Oh yeah. So anyways, when I decided to go with these guys in a bomber brewing in, uh, Vancouver, we did like seven different kind of like sort of recipes, I guess, uh, before we kind of all landed on what we thought would sell and what I liked mm -hmm. and, uh, kind of the color and all that sort of stuff. So it was fun. Is it, is it like a Pilsner kind of tasting beer? It uh, gold nail. So it's a little bit hoppy, but it's hop late. So there's a lot of hop hoppiness without the bitterness. So like, I don't know if you know much about the like beer, but like the IBUs are only like, uh, either 11 or 17. They're different. The one in Canada is 11. The one in, in the U S is 17. So yeah. So like super, like there, there's no bitterness, but like there, it is pretty hoppy, like a citrus hop, but, um, okay. yeah, but we call it. it gold nail, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited to try it. I'll help you try and get some, do some promotion for you. We need to, I feel That'd like, yeah, I didn't know about it. I'm like, I feel like I should know about this, this beer. So, um, the beard, the beard was a real thing there for a while. Your beard. How did, mm -hmm. why? How, <laughs> I don't why. know. I used to, I used to always grow a beard over the winter just because I don't know, it keeps you warm and it's nice to have a yeah. beard in the winter in general. And then one year I just kind of decided to keep it going. I was playing 
good golf and I was like, I'm not going to shave. And, and then it just kind of became a little bit of my brand or whatever. So I kind of kept it going, but then everyone kind of started growing beards. So I, I'm like, wow, I kind of did it before everyone was doing it. And then, you know, the Boston Red Sox had that really good run and that was kind of at the same time. And then I feel, so I feel like they were probably responsible for the beard taking off a lot more than me but <laughs> no I feel like you had a lot of respect for that beard I remember those days people love that beard so will it make a comeback or are you kind of over that no I just had a big mustache and I shaved it and I'm like I can't go on national no. TV with hideous mustache like the handlebars and everything but oh now it's like I have all these like splotches of gray if it was all gray I think it would be fine but it's like eh, I don't know it doesn't really look good anymore so now I keep it a little bit tighter Oh, natural or whatever. That's a lot of work though, from the sounds of it. <laughs> um, just getting back to your game a little bit, you're on a medical extension right now. Is that mm-hmm. right? What, what, how are you feeling? How, like, I know you had a surgery recently. What, where are things at with that? Yeah, I'm actually going in for another procedure. Uh, when I get back here next week, it's just, uh, it's pretty small. It's an in and out like 15 minutes. It's a uh, radio frequency ablation. I had it done uh, last year lasts about a year and uh, I actually felt pretty good for the most part of the last year at least like well enough to do everything I want to do with my family and hang out and play golf a couple times a week so I'm going to go back in and have that but at this time uh, you know I can't really put in the time still to like go out and practice if I do three or four days in a row I go backwards so uh, you know I don't see any short timeline for me getting back out to playing professional golf at this point but um, you know hopefully things change but as of right now, I'm just kind of, I take my kids to school every morning and I pick them up most days after school. And that's, uh, that's where my, my focus is now. And it's, uh, it's, it's been amazing. I love being a dad and that's where, uh, that's where all my focus goes now. You have twins, right? Yeah. Six-year-old boy and a girl. How's that? <laughs> it's, it's not bad now. The first couple of years is pretty hectic, but, but you know, that was when I was playing full-time, they were traveling full-time, but I get I think it was at three weeks was the first, uh, you know, trip that they came out and, uh, we pretty much traveled full time together. There's a family for like three years. And I mean, us going through the airport with like seven suitcases and my golf clubs and stuff like that. It was crazy, but my wife was responsible for, uh, you know, taking care of most of that, which, uh, she was amazing, but, um, yeah. And it's like, you can mean, cause I obviously had to play, uh, uh, you know, things going on. And I look back and like the amount of work that she put in, uh, was probably more than I was putting in at the time working on my golf game and playing golf tournaments. So, uh, I got an awesome wife and I got two great kids now because of it. Nice. So are you, would you say like you're pain free now or are you, st- are you still kind of struggling day to day? No, uh, it depends on the day. I mean, I, it's always there a little bit. Some days are better than others, but, uh, you know, it's manageable right now, which is nice. And, uh, you know, that's why I'm still kind of like shying away from going back to playing because I don't want to be, I played in paint for too many years and maybe that's why I got to where I'm at right now, but, uh, it feels good to feel good for the most part. So I'm in no rush right now to get back out there. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, okay. A couple more for you and then I'll let you go. So you played at the masters in 2014. Um, just memories or kind of images that stand out for you when you think back to, to that year? Yeah. I remember my first tee shot for sure. I was, I mean, that's probably the most nervous I've ever been in my life. I mean, it's like, you know, every kid literally dreams of playing out there and um, it was, it, it, it was a dream come true. I brought 10 of my buddies down, most of them from 
uh, Saskatchewan, a couple guys from Idaho that I played college golf with and stuff like that and put them up in a house. I brought all my family down. We all stayed in the house together and uh, those guys all partied and cheered me on. And, uh, you know, I, I, I remember too, I, uh, I didn't play well. Well, the thing was, I was trying so hard to play well that I kind of got in my own way. And I remember I was uh, eight or six over par through eight holes or through seven. And I was on the eighth green and I looked at the league because every, every hole at Augusta, they don't have like the electronic leaderboards, but they have uh, like right. kind of the old. And it was like, I was playing with Trevor Immelman and then this amateur from uh, Australia. His name was Oliver Goss. And it was like Immelman, whatever, one under, Dillette, six over. And I was like, oh my God, I'm like, I'm six over. And then it just kind of hit me. I'm like, because it said that, you know, 2014 Masters. So I'm like, I'm on a board at Augusta. Like, this is amazing. And then right from there, I kind of settled in and I played even part of the rest of the way. It wasn't good enough to make the cut, unfortunately. But um, that was kind of like the moment I'm like, man, stop trying so hard and just play golf and enjoy it. And then once I did that, it was uh, it was an amazing week. But I missed the cut. We all kind of partied. All my buddies went on to the golf course on the weekend. Um, I didn't go back out there. Just kind of hung out with my family because I don't get to see them very much. So they were in town. I'm like, well, let's just kind of hang out. My dad went back out, I think, on Sunday. But uh, then now we just kind of took it easy. And then we're off to Hilton Head the next week. And you're kind of back to business again. So Right. I was just talking to somebody about the masters. Cause like I told you, I've been fortunate enough to go a few times and we were talking about just those white boards. It's like one thing that makes it so different because you can't, and you can't have your phones, right? So you're forced to like, you're at the mercy exactly. of watching the numbers change on those boards. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of neat. There's a couple other, uh, like uh, Jack's tournament in Muirfield. He does that as well okay. in Columbus. He doesn't have the like, electronic boards and it is, it's like, uh, what's the word when it's kind of like old school and it's like, uh, kind of hits home with you or whatever it is, but uh, I don't know. I can't it think of the word. It takes you back to when you're a kid, probably, right? Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. It's know? like it's like nostalgic, I guess, is kind of the yes. word I was looking for. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a special just glow and feel and buzz about Augusta that you can't explain until you come here, mm -hmm. and then when you are you like you get it the second you step onto the uh, you know to the property, you're like, wow, this is a special special place. Yeah, it's awesome. So tell me about, tell me about the buzz right now, considering Tiger. Uh, it's, it's all about Tiger is what it feels like. I know it's insane. I just saw some crazy picture of him teeing off on, on one on Monday and it looked like a Sunday, you know, yeah. final, final pairing. Like, I mean, that's like, I say it all the time and people, people do it. It's like, he doesn't move the needle. Like he is the needle. And it's just amazing as a, golfer like i mean him and mike weir are the two reasons that i'm playing professional golf tiger's the reason that 50 percent of at least of the guys that are playing here in this tournament maybe even more because you know i'm 40 now so probably almost all the guys watched tiger growing up and watched him in 97 and saw that whole thing and although i guess some of them probably weren't even born yet but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's crazy how we're getting old yeah i know but uh yeah it's like him playing is would be great for you know for everyone for the fans for the media for the kids for the other pros like everything he's uh he's golf mm -hmm. so do you what's your prediction on this week do you i don't know if there is a, a real front runner at the moment who do you think yeah it's, i mean i like justin thomas i don't know why like i mean not that that's like going out of the box or anything i think he's like second or third favorite in odds but uh, he's just kind of a guy that just seems to always be there. John Rahm is all, I think he's the actual betting favorite, uh, for good reason. 
but uh yeah i don't know i think it's gonna be just one of those fun masters hopefully that comes down to that back nine on 18 and who's gonna have that four or five birdie back nine to to you know put the green jacket on that's what we all kind of want to see is turning that tv on on sunday afternoon and seeing a birdie fest what about uh cory connors he he was good last weekend I mean, this kid just plays good every single week. He he is a legit threat to win this golf tournament. There's no question. He is good. Um, you know, I talked to his caddy, Danny Saul, quite a bit, kind of here and there. And um, he's like, man, he's like, this kid is, he's legit. And everyone that I talked to that just played with him, talk about how good he is. It's only a matter of time. Like, I mean, if he breaks out, he could win potentially like four or five tournaments in a year. Like, I think he's got that kind of skill. And uh, it's exciting for Canadian golf fans. I mean, with, you know, Mac Hughes is in the mix, obviously Mike's there and, you know, it'd be fun to see him even just playing four days. I think that would be successful for him as well, but um, just all the way down the list with the PGA tour, uh, the Canadian players on the PGA tour, it's, it's a new kind of era or whatever for Canadian golf, but it's awesome. And you know what Brooks doing on the ladies side as well. It's uh, there's a lot to cheer for. Okay. You just decided there for me because every year I make my master's picks and I'm always such a like Homer. I'll pick a Canadian, even if I don't necessarily think they're going to win. Yeah, you got it. Right. But this, I, but I'm like, I think Corey actually could yeah. win it. That's a big thing in golf. I mean, if you're playing well, you usually continue to play well until you get tired. And then you just kind of, then you like, but there's always like a three or four week stretch in every player's season where they just play like phenomenal golf. And obviously it, you know, he made it to the semifinals at the match play and then had a nice final round there last weekend. Um, so he's coming in here with some confidence and you get a guy that with past history here, he's finished top 10 last two years with confidence. I mean, he could make this happen this week. So I'm going with Corey, you decided. And like you said, I, I don't know. I love seeing all this, this influx of Canadians all the time. It always seems like there's one guy in the mix. So maybe this will be the weekend. Um, I've enjoyed seeing them all golf. I've enjoyed watching you golf. I hope you get back to it if that's what you want because i know like you said you family's first and you don't want to be you know in pain all the time so um thank you for doing this and uh good luck the rest of the way thank you natasha and go flames and uh good luck yes. with uh now too if you get to calgary for a game you let me know and maybe we'll go golfing even though i'm terrible i feel like we should go hit one of the mountain courses okay sounds good give me some tips okay thanks graham yeah take care bye-bye you're listening to the Oh Come On Sports Podcast with me, Natasha Sanashevsky. Come on!